0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. So I want to say a few things to you. One, I want to say welcome, okay? Um, Certainly there are many guests here today, and we're thankful that you're here. Um, So... Like, I want to try to really be authentic today. This is the 27th time I've preached an Easter Sunday. And I think this is the first time I'll preach a message like today's message. I've thought a lot about um, today. And I've thought a lot about the series that, that we're starting today. And... I've had a ball in ministry my whole life. The Lord has used me um, to see a lot of life change. I moved up here from Oklahoma um, in 2011 to to take this church that, for all practical purposes, was dead. It was scary, but I knew the Lord had called me. And I was coming from a church uh, that I spent my entire life at as an adult. Started as a youth pastor, became the pastor, and served at that church for 15 years. Saw lots of, lots of growth, lots of life change. Um, and saw a lot of momentum and really rode a lot of momentum with the Lord. Um, but, it, but it sort of kind of got to a place that was just like, something's off. Um, and so moving up here after taking a year off, I I had a lot of time to really think about the church. Um, and when I say the church, I don't mean uh, my church that I had there that I was leading in Oklahoma, but I just mean like Jesus' church. Like, there are a lot of great churches in this community, um, and there are a lot of them. There are a lot of churches that I would say uh, aren't so great, uh, and by that I mean I, I don't think they teach the word, and I don't know how you can have a church without teaching the word. And so I, like, looking back on all of that and thinking about Easter, um, so we've made it like about the resurrection, not love the resurrection, it is our hope. Without the resurrection of Christ, there is no hope for the believer. Um, There's, like, as Paul says, like, there's, there's no reason for even being here today without the resurrection. But when I study the Scripture and when I look at the Scripture and I think about the church in America, there's just some things that don't seem like they match. Like when I read in the book of Acts and see the, the power and see the people's lives being shifted in a moment in time. They don't live the way that they used to do. It puts me in a place where I have to kind of scratch my head and go, what is the church doing? And so I, I, I feel like and I don't want this to sound as a criticism of the church because I think there's some great work going on. I want it to sound like an admission like that I was a part of a ministry, I was, like I was the leader of the ministry. And we were seeing life change, but to be authentic with you and just to really be open and vulnerable, like I, there are a lot of things that we missed. And I think there are a lot of things the church is missing today. And I think that Easter is a great example, a great time to look at that and go, we could see that it's missing. I would just say to you, like today, like our church, we would say it's full. Like we've been digging this thing out for years. But it's full today. Why wasn't it full last week? Why wasn't it full the week before? And will it be full next week? Because as I look in the book of Acts, they were having a problem with this. They were having a problem with, with, with mo- like, movement was happening so rapidly, things were shifting for them. And so I think as we look at this, we see that Easter is a celebration about the resurrection, but it's more than that. It's more than the resurrection. You see, the resurrection of Christ is the power behind what makes the church possible, but when we look at Easter, when we see what Jesus says after the resurrection, he doesn't talk a lot about the resurrection. That's a pretty fascinating thing to think about, and so today we we start to look at some of the things that we, t- that he talks about, and what we see is that the that Easter and the resurrection is about, like, the kingdom. It's about the coming kingdom of Christ, and it's about the beginning of that kingdom. You see, when we open up our Bibles and we, we really believe in the, the inspiration of Scripture, that the, the Word of God is actually the Word of God. Which is a which is thing, I think, in America and even in the church, we know, like, like, in this community, we know that there are churches that are questioning, is the word of God the word of God? Well, this church believes the word of God is the word of God. Historically, that's what everyone has believed who's called themselves a follower of Jesus since the time uh, of James and John and Peter. Like, that's what they believed, and that's what we believe, and we're not shifting away from that. And so as we see that and we read the scripture, one of the things that we learn in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created and if you've read the, the few, first few chapters of Genesis, you know that, like, man really screwed things up. Like, they start in a garden in perfection. They start in fellowship with the God of the universe, the creator. And then there is a, a fall. And, and so then, at, at the fall, we see a, a prophetic utterance that the seed of the woman would crush The enemy's head. And so we're promised in that particular fall of mankind that God would provide a source of salvation. It was the first messianic prophecy that we see in the Bible. And then throughout the Old Testament, it is a story, it is just a retelling through generation after generation after generation. Uh, of the coming of the Messiah, and the people of Israel would look, and they would they would think that it would be, they thought it was Moses, and Moses was to do part of it. He was to deliver them, and they were to grow up into a nation, but Moses couldn't get it done, and, and then we, they thought it was David, and he was a king that led them into incredible victory and conquered a lot of territory, but David couldn't get it done, and throughout we see um, from all of the kings that there was not The seed had not arrived, and finally we get to the New Testament, and Jesus is the promised seed. And and what we learn in that is that when we see in Jesus in the resurrection, we see in the beginning there was a fall. It started with a garden, and by the time we get to Revelations, we see a city. Now, that's not accidental. We start with a garden, we end with a city. And so as we look at the Scripture, we see these two uh, uh, opposing kingdoms in the Word. There is the city of God. There is the city of Satan. In the Old Testament, it is a struggle between Babylon and Israel. In the New Testament, there is a struggle between the city of Satan, which is called the city of Babylon, and the New Jerusalem. And so we see the Lord's kingdom um, throughout the midst of the uh, entire Uh, Old and New Testament. And with the resurrection, Jesus is saying there is a new in the beginning. Like in the beginning, God created all that is physical. And all that is physical has undergone a curse because of the fall of man, because of sin, because of rebellion. And because of that, then, um, we are, we are in this state of separation from God. And so Jesus comes as the promised seed. And as he rises from the dead and the tomb is rolled away and he leaves the tomb, there is a new in the beginning. And, and there's something, there's an expectation uh, from Jesus, and he's showing us that it is about the kingdom. And so when, as we start this new series today, we're looking at his kingdom and what it should be. You see, and I say that because, again, as I go back to the, uh, the admission, man, like, I just feel like the Spirit of the Lord is stirring in me if we've made it about trends and creativity instead of about transformation and Christ. So it's, what is the latest trend? How can we do the coolest thing? What can we, like, what can we do to make this thing really pop and really get out there and get more and more people? And we can get more and more people, man, we can whip that thing up. And I am, I'm, I'm telling you, you can just keep whipping and whipping and you can ride a momentum and you can see people coming and man, they're raising their hands and the worship is awesome and they're, they're cheering and everything, but there's no victory in their life. There's no power. Like when I read the New Testament and I read through the book of Acts and I'm, I'm looking and going, where is the power and authority to do what Jesus has called us to do? And so as we unpack Acts, we begin to see how the kingdom moves. Like there's a way in which the kingdom moves throughout these, these people that are the early church fathers. We begin to see the citizens and the secrets of the kingdom. What makes the kingdom move? Who are the people of the kingdom? We see that there's territory to conquer. Just as in the Old Testament, the Israelites were charged with conquering the promised land, then in the New Testament, in the new beginning, then the people of the Lord are to be conquering new territory, and it is the promised life. And so as we look at this and we unpack it and we start this journey together as a body of believers, we're going to strive to be citizens of that kingdom and look like the church. We see an act like we say that. Ah, man, we we have to look like church and acts. That doesn't just happen just because we say it. There is an expectation of some action that comes from our part as the believers of the Lord, as people who claim to know Jesus, as people who follow him, that if we are indeed going to experience the power, then it's going to require some things of us that enable God to look down from his throne, if indeed we do believe that he is resurrected from the dead. Like, like, do we get that? Do we Do we get that? What we're saying is that Jesus is alive today and he's looking at us. Okay, and so he, he, uh, he, is, he is concerned about his kingdom, and so if we are going to live in such a way that we can expect him to flow through us and accomplish his work here on the planet, then it's going to require that we do some things that he taught us to do, and so I, what I want to do just by way of introduction of the, of the series, again, a little bit different Easter uh, uh, sermon, and, and uh, if you don't like it, you can take that up with the Lord, right, because he's the one... That- He's the one who led me here. Um but let's just jump in the first 11 verses of Acts and so just kind of like just introduce this whole idea of kingdom. And and watch like 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 think of this, okay? Let's just let's just think of this. Jesus has been crucified. All of the disciples are terrified. They have gone into hiding, okay? They think the same thing that happened to Jesus is going to happen to them and so they're in hiding. And Jesus rises from the dead, and he appears to them. And, and so as he appears to them, he starts giving them some instructions. And so we are at this point in the, in the, in the like, the church hasn't started yet. Like, like we're, we're, where we're reading from today, no church. Now imagine that. Like, we can't even imagine that, because the church has had such an influential a part of all of our being. Like the church has been influential since the time that it started, but this is right before it started. And and so they they know Jesus has risen from the dead. And so Luke here is recording for us, and this is important. Okay, so for those of you who may be a little bit skeptical, this is an eyewitness account of this incident. We're not reading some, like, though it is a very powerful and religious book, We are not reading some mythical religious thing. We're reading from a firsthand account here, an eyewitness who had the audacity to write this down, and there are several other guys who agree with him and wrote very similar things. And so we're reading about a historical account that these guys claimed that happened. And this is what they said. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, you know, after his crucifixion, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. See, I think in our minds, we think, oh, okay, Jesus rose from the dead. He said, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm out. Like 40 days, 40 days he appeared to them intermittently to different ones, and he spent time with them. And he spoke about what? The kingdom of God. Now, that's fascinating to me. He didn't speak about the resurrection. He spoke about the kingdom of God. So what did he want their minds to be focused on? The kingdom of God. And on one of these occasions, Luke says... While he was eating with them, amen, in our resurrected form, we will eat. That's good, right? And won't get fat. Thank you, Lord. We don't even have to worry about a free day. Just every day is a free day. If you're watching your weight, you know what I'm talking about. So on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is so vitally important. Like, I think we're baptizing a lot of people with water that have not been baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And I think think this is where we we see the shift. You see, what what I'm going to submit to you today, I think, is, is that we're focused too much on the end. And so that's what they were trying to focus on. Is, is it all going to come to being now, Jesus? Are you going to take the throne and overthrow the government? And are you setting it up right now? And, and watch how Jesus responds to them. He says, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And so Jesus says this, man, and then he just starts to ascend, okay? And what did they do? The same thing you would have done. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and they were just looking. I don't know what they were doing. Maybe they were thinking, is he going to come back down? Is he going to come back down fast or slow? Like, what is going on? Is he coming down up to get, is he going up to get? They did, like, they were just captivated, just looking. I think that's where the church is today. We believe, Jesus. We know you're coming back. And we're just looking. We're of stuck there. But notice what happens is that as they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee. (laughs) Like he gets their attention. They get their attention. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Which standing there, I think, is what they're saying. You got work to do. All right. So here are a few observations this Easter for us to consider about the kingdom. Number one, the king has issued orders, not options. Like they're, they're orders. They're not. He is the king. It's important for us to realize that Jesus is a king and we've got so concerned with him being our Savior that we've forgotten that he's a king. Like, he's the king. What does that tell us? We are servants, and he's the king. And it's not optional in a kingdom whether you listen to the king. But we've made it optional. We can receive the blessing of the king without listening to the orders of the king. What? That's not how anything functions, especially a monarchy like this. So Jesus sits as the head of the king. And so, like, it's not optional that we can say, well, when I get around to it. Remember, in the beginning, God created the physical universe. In the beginning, Jesus created the spiritual universe connection that we can reestablish relationship with the Lord. It is a new in the beginning. And when Jesus makes a choice, it always comes with a charge. If you are chosen by the Lord, many are called, the word says, but you are chosen, if you are chosen by the Lord, then it comes with a, char- a, a charge. There is always responsibility that comes for the believer when he accepts Jesus' into his life and realize Jesus is choosing him. But we think it's optional. Like, we think that, well, no, like, there is a charge for the minister. No, you got a charge on your life, bro. Like, if you know Jesus, you may not be fulfilling the charge, but there is a charge on your life. And it is not a charge just to celebrate the resurrection. Like it is a charge, it is a call. So what is the call? Well, we know what it is because um, the, the gospels tell us in Matthew chapter 28, verse, verses 18 through 19, what did Jesus say? Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you. There's the charge. That's not my charge. That's the charge of Jesus whom the one we like to say is Lord, whom the one we say is Savior. Jesus, save me from my sins. I will do that. Come into my kingdom and function as my servant. What do I do if I function as your servant, Lord? You go and make disciples of all nations so that they can come into my kingdom and function as my servants. (laughs) that's the call of the gospel. We see it is that when we receive the good news of Christ and we are forgiven of our sins, then there's something that is to happen. And so we receive the great commission and so we need to be about the business of making disciples of all nations. And so my question to you is how many disciples have you made? Now, when you ask that question, brothers and sisters in the Lord, that one will back you up. Like when I look back on my ministry in Oklahoma for years and years, I made, a, I made a lot of converts, and people did get discipled along the way as they were serving as small group leaders or some other capacity. But when you boil it down and say, okay, Jimmy Holbrook, how many people did you invite into your life and intentionally walk with them and teach them what it means to be a disciple? I couldn't come up with one person I, I literally invited into my life. Now, thank the Lord, I've shifted. He showed me something, and I'm shifting from that. And I see, like, this is what I see as I'm, like, I'm looking at the church. That's what I'm trying to, like, reconcile in my mind. Why isn't the church making disciples that make disciples? Why isn't the church doing that? It is so clear that that's what we're supposed to do. And I think it is because we've gotten our focus on the resurrection, which is good because that's where all our power comes from, but it is bad when we are standing there gazing and that's all we think about is the resurrection when we are to be making disciples so that when Jesus returns, they can be a part of that experience as well. Not making converts, by the way. Jesus didn't say, go and make converts. And we like to count baptisms and, and confessions, but we should be counting disciples that can make another disciple. And so the king has issued orders, not options. The second thing is Jesus gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And I'm thankful for that, okay? And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I'm, I'm, um, my faith that I place in Jesus as I talk about these things, and we go, man, that, whoa, like Jesus, whoa, rising. <laughs> like that, like we've never seen anything like that. But there are many convincing proofs that Jesus, in fact, was alive and did um, walk among people and did perform all these miraculous things. And so we can look and make a strong argument and case um, for faith. It's not blind faith. Like, there, there is, it's reasonable. It is not a blind leap in the dark. As a matter of fact, I, as I've looked at all of the different evidences that give an explanation for humanity's existence, I've found that Christianity is the best one of them. And so I'm thankful for all of the convincing proofs that Jesus has given. So maybe you're here today, and you're like, whoa, man, like, he's really kind of leaning in here as to whether or not I'm a part of the kingdom. And make no mistake, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm not here, like, in a popularity contest. I'm not here trying to get you to come back to my church next week. This is not my church. I'm a servant in the kingdom. And all I'm called to do is proclaim the word. And I'm more concerned that you are a disciple of the Lord than that you are a member of a church. Because that's the only thing that matters in the end. And so I'm going to count as a representative of the Lord who has been called to lead in the ministry and shepherd his people as to whether or not I adequately equip them. And one of the things that we have to deal with right up front is the truth. And there are many convincing proofs. And so you may be here going, man, I I don't even know if I'm a disciple. And that's okay if you don't know. Like that's the first step to knowledge is starting to answer the question, am I really a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or am I just a religious person that slapped Protestant Christianity on, on my um, tagline when I fill out a survey? So how do we know that? Well, we begin to look a little bit deeper, and we see that Jesus spent 40 days speaking about the kingdom. And so we take away from that that the kingdom was extremely important to Jesus and it should be to us. I'm reminded of when Jesus was teaching in the gospels and he says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of Christ and all these other things shall be added unto you. Don't let all the things in the world trip you up. Don't let the worries about your job, don't let the worries about your relationships. don't let your finances trip you up, don't be all anxious about your children. What are you to do instead of that? Seek ye first the kingdom of Christ and a lot of anxiety can be solved in this world overnight if believers would start seeking the kingdom of Christ above everything else. See, what we're doing is we're seeking everything and tagging it with the kingdom, and it won't work that way. That's why Jesus, in these 40 days, as he's speaking with the the apostles and getting them ready to launch the church, which is what we're supposed to be a part of, that is filled with with, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit, he's he's sitting with them and he's trying to show them, it's about the kingdom, man. It's about the kingdom. And you've got to understand how important it is that we make the kingdom a high priority in our lives. Here's, Here's the next one. Baptism with the Spirit marks the beginning for the believer. That's in verses 4 and 5. This is what he says. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this commandment, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't go get ahead of yourselves. Don't go try to organize some program. Don't start a VBS. Don't start a worship ministry. Don't do any of this. You just sit there and wait. On what, Jesus? Jesus wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is not merely, and this is where I want to really lean in, this is not merely a statement of faith and baptism. And I think that's kind of where we really got to look at. It's like, all right, everybody, close your eyes, and I do this. I don't have a problem with it, okay? close your eyes, and if if you know that you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and you're ready to accept him into your life, would you raise your hand? I know I'm a sinner, Lord God. Please save me. How many times have we felt that, right? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. He's in the kingdom. Man, write that down. We had 15 people saved. Okay, write that guy's name down. We got to get him baptized. Then we get him baptized. And then we like look for more hands to get baptized. And we never do do the hard work of making that person a disciple. And that's really like what Jesus said we're supposed to be about the business of doing. And so what, as we look at this... Um, it's not merely a statement of faith and baptism. It's transformation. Our lives are reordered in that moment, and the kingdom becomes of utmost importance. Remember, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of Christ, and all these things shall be added unto you. You cannot seek the kingdom of Christ until you have been in that way. Like, in that way, you cannot know God in that way. One of the Greek words that John uses over and over to talk about knowing God is the word gnosko, and it means that I have Experienced him. One of the words that is used to talk about our loving relationship with the Lord, for God so loved the world, is the word agape. It means divine love. There are in the Greek that talk about it means to love. There's storge, which is a family love, and, and there's philadelphia, uh, philo, which is a brotherly love. Okay, and so but when it comes to God, it is a divine love, and you can't have a divine love unless you receive a divine love, and that only happens when you've been baptized in the Spirit, not in the water. Like, this is what we do, man, as a church. We go, well, I want to make sure my kids made a profession of faith. I want to make sure they get baptized. Bro, there are a lot of people that have made that profession of faith and baptized who have never, ne- don't even have any idea what the Spirit is. And so we look at this, we go, man, like, what is Jimmy saying here? Well, I believe we should practice water baptism. But I believe transformation is to precede that baptism. In the Greek, the word "baptized" comes from the Greek word uh, "baptizo." Okay, it means to dip under. And the greatest, the greatest uh, 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 illustration of it comes from a guy, a physician uh, by the name of Nicander. He was about two hundred years before Christ, and he has a uh, uh, he had a pickle re- recipe. So, like, here's your theology. It's coming from pickle re- recipe. And so he used two words in the recipe. There was babto and baptizo, okay? And so in the recipe, what you were to do is to take the cucumbers, set them in, and babto them in water, okay, for a time. Then you were to take them and put them in, I suppose, vinegar or something of that nature or whatever they pickled them in at that point, and you were to baptizo them, okay? So whenever they get to that second stage they are no longer cucumbers. They are pickles. And what I'm trying to say to you today is that there are too many cucumbers in the church and not enough pickles. <laughs> okay? Like transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit who comes into us and shows us that Jesus is king. And if that doesn't happen, you can't, like, you can't really follow Jesus because it is the power of the spirit helps you to follow Jesus. And I think we got to really do a good job as believers of beginning to teach people that man, like really beginning to kind of lean back and, and, and question, not judge, question to ensure so that the person knows I've been baptized in the spirit, not just dunked in water. And then we see, uh, as we wrap this up, I got one, one more thing, and, and I'm going to give you the big idea. Kingdom, there's a kingdom breakout process, okay? It's received the Holy Spirit, the baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's received power, and this is all in verse 8, and then it's witness with results. Watch, this, said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so then they go, like, I'm not going to get too far ahead, but just real quick today, like, what will happen is the Holy Spirit will come in chapter 2, and from that moment on, they become witnesses in these areas, and that's what we're supposed to still be doing today like we're supposed to still be carrying that mission out of witnessing to the fact of who Christ was and making disciples of all nations which means that 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 we don't just like delegate that to the missionaries like it's good to support missionaries and write a check and be financially supportive of them but you are a missionary and one of the reasons that America is so screwed up right now is that we're not making any disciples. We're just letting people come to church. And we're not teaching them. You got to go out there and make disciples. Change the world around you. America's in great need of missionaries. The people of the Lord who see that they have been sent to co-help people to come to know who Jesus is. And I believe this is um, where we have missed it. It's because the kingdom, even in our own lives. So I remember, man, I remember when I got saved and I gave my life to the Lord. And it was such an incredible moment. And I, and, 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 and then I, you know, I remember... Um, Answering the call to preach was such an incredible moment. And I remember everything that I did from the time that I got saved to the time I recommitted my life. And it's probably best that I forget a lot of that stuff. Okay? But I remember as I started my journey, the Lord has continually broken out in my life. And so as I started this discipleship journey and tried to be really intentional about not just making the church that I'm responsible for about Sunday morning, but making it about really making disciples and being intentional with that, I'm noticing, man, the Holy Spirit is moving in my life like he did when I was first saved. You remember when you first meet the Lord and they're like, man, I feel so free inside. Well, as we make disciples, we're continually following the Holy Spirit because He's leading us into people's lives, and and we're having to rely on Him to help us through very challenging moments as we fight for people, to be reminded that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against uh, powers and, and principalities and spiritual forces of wickedness in high places, and so as we begin to do battle, sometimes we are trying to disciple a brother or sister in Christ who doesn't even want to or doesn't realize they need to fight for themselves, and so we begin to wrestle in that particular moment for them, and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, and as we're relying on the Holy Spirit, then what happens is the Holy Spirit shows up. Why? Because we're seeking the kingdom of Christ first, and my job is taken care of, my finances are taken care of, and I'm getting my daily bread. Why? Because I'm concerned about the kingdom of, uh, of heaven coming down to the earth. What we want is our own kingdom and say, Jesus Put your stamp on that so that I can be assured that when my kingdom ends in this earth, I can come to your kingdom. And I think this makes sense for me. And says Jesus says to all those people who said they knew him, depart from me. I never knew you. What does that mean? I never walked with you. And so as we walk with him, we begin to see, man, that that the kingdom is uh, is a breakout process. And so there ought to be moments in our lives where the spirit is constantly breaking out. And by breaking out, I don't mean that you go into uh, uh, uncontrollable uh, 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 outbursts of emotion where everybody else is looking at you and going, what is wrong with that dude? That's not what I mean. What I mean is that you're going, golly, that is the Lord. It is a fascinating study to read the New Testament and see how many times they said, it is the Lord. One of the things that we say around here, and we are being intentional about, is like we see something incredible happen and we say, it is the Lord. Like there's no way that we could do that. That the Lord has showed up in that moment, he is helping us in that. And that is because we're trying to intentionally walk out this uh, Processes. So I believe where we have really missed it is we have elevated conversion above kingdom. Conversion is necessary to enter, but it's only the beginning. And here's the big idea. The king is coming. The king is coming. This Jesus that we are so thankful for Conquered death is coming back to claim the earth, the first in, be- in the beginning that has fallen as his own. The curse will be lifted from the planet, and he will recreate it physically for all those who have been recreated spiritually to dwell with him as he reigns forever. And ever. And so we need to constantly be asking ourselves, Am I ready for the return of the king? Because he's told us he's coming. To be ready is not to be standing and looking, but to be busy and building. And the only way to build the city is for the citizens to conquer new territory. Happy Easter. It is the beginning of a new kingdom. The invitation from the king has gone out to invite the guest. I'm thankful today that I'm part of the kingdom of Christ. And my righteousness does not come from myself, from what I do. It comes from the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. I'm thankful that as I received that call and that choice to be a part of his kingdom that he has charged me with a responsibility the king is coming and I can't wait for him to get here I'm ready and like like that's the way that we're supposed to be living that's what Easter means. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.